What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? Uh, so for this week, we're going to talk about some controversial topics for basically the whole thing, then get into uh, MLB draft, and then I guess our little coronavirus update. But Nick can take the beginning. Um, yeah, so I kind of mapped out what we're going to say about Black Lives Matter. So that's why Brian's handing it over to me. Um, obviously, very potent subject in the U.S. right now. And at this point... I think it's came to the fact that we can't avoid it as, as a sports podcast or a sports organization. Um, you know, it, it's it's a big part of sports, um, Black Lives, because obviously U.S. sports, a large portion of U.S. sports is dominated by African Americans, and you know, obviously nothing wrong with that. But I'm just stating the facts that you know, when you look at the NFL, the NBA, majority of the players are uh, African American. So on that standpoint, it's it's unavoidable. But also with the fact that it is the majority of sports news coverage. Um, and we're not denying that the black lives don't matter or anything like that, the rights or, or any of that part. We're just, you know, from a political, political perspective, we didn't really want to get into it because it, it's a pretty hot topic and we don't want to offend anybody. Um, but that being said, we're kind of at the point where we have to dive into it a little bit. Um, and I'm going to give my opinion. Brian will probably give his a little bit of opinions. You guys can make up your own opinions. Um, we respect everybody's opinion. I think everyone's opinion should be respected um, and you, everyone should be heard. Uh, with that being said, uh, we have a pretty diverse group at the Sport Universe um, with a lot of different opinions. Uh, a lot of our uh, members are from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different cultures, nationalities. Um, and we have a lot of different opinions, not only in sports, but the rest of the world. And I don't want, uh, and me and Brian, you know, kind of want to make the fact that, you know, whatever we say doesn't apply to the rest of the TSU at all. Um, we all have our own opinions. We all have our own perspectives. Um, and I think it's like fair to hear everybody's point. Um, so that's my little speech on Black Lives Matter uh, and, and the movement going on, what's happening around the, with the world around us. And breaking off from that, we're going to start with the NFL. Um, again, not a lot of NFL news. The only two, the two biggest stories that have came out over the past two weeks. Also, before I move into the NFL, I just wanted to say we didn't do like a real regular podcast last week. Um, and that's because like, I, you know, I couldn't really I didn't really have the, the most amount of time, but I also thought like, that was a really important time to like take a step back and not talk about sports. And, and, Le- and LeBron decided as like pretty much the founder of TSU to, to make a statement and do what he wanted. Um, I didn't think it was a great time to do a podcast with, with how like the rise and the protesting and, and it was really, really heavy point in the U S I would say, it's, you know, when we look back at this time, it's going to be a pretty important time in U S history. Um, you know, the last time we had riots like that were in LA, I believe in the nineties, um, you know, the, these points are important in U.S. history. I think we're going to, you know, possibly see this time as a point in textbooks looking forward. So um, I thought it was a good idea to take a break uh, last week as well as Brian thought so. So that's why we didn't have a normal podcast last week. Uh, with that being said, moving on into the NFL, the first subject is going to be Drew Brees. Um, last week, he, he was pretty much the, all the news in terms of uh, the NFL. Um, he had made some comments. Apparently, so the breakdown of how the comments went, um, I'm just going to paraphrase here because I don't have the quotes right in front of me. Uh, somebody from Yahoo Finance, I believe it was, was interviewing him, and they asked him how, how about how he felt kneeling. And before I even answer that, I want to say that's kind of it's a it's an awful move on on the on the side of uh, the Yahoo Finance reporter uh, to ask that type of question right now, um, knowing what type of answers he could get. It, it's just inflammatory. He's asking those questions because how Drew Brees answers it is going to get likes. It's going to get clicks. Um, and I think it's, it's not right right now to ask that type of question, uh, knowing the responses you could get. And that's, again, that's my personal opinion. Um, but you know, I, at the same time on the opposite side to be devil played devil's advocate, people are saying those are the type of questions that need to be asked right now. So I could definitely see from that point. I just think at this point in time, like to, to ask questions that could raise the anger and, and make things worse. is just not the right move right now. But obviously, he asked him how he felt about kneeling, and Drew Brees said he was opposed to kneeling. He said that, uh, again, paraphrasing here, that because of his grandfathers and his and his ancestors fighting in, in for the U.S., uh, being U.S. veterans, he respected. He has a lot of respect for the flag, and he doesn't uh, agree with anybody kneeling for it. Um, and obviously, a lot of the NFL, a lot of the sports media, especially his teammates, lashed out at him, saying, "You can't say that right now. Um, you need to see it as we're not fighting." It's not to be disrespectful towards U.S. veterans, but it's more about uh, black rights and, and equality. And Drew Brees, uh, a couple of days later, went and repented that statement and said he apologized for it. And now he sees um, the, the opposite. He, he, he agrees with 
those of Colin Kaepernick and Malcolm Jenkins, his teammate, uh, saying that he's he's for kneeling and, and assuming he will kneel. Um, and a lot of quarterbacks, I would say, have hopped onto that. I've seen like Ryan Tannehill, Sam Darnold's, uh, Baker Mayfield said he was going to kneel yesterday. So a lot of uh, quarterbacks have taken that route. Um, so that about summarizes the statement. I think Trump, uh, like, was he was like all for Drew Brees when he said he was yeah. he was against kneeling, and then when he uh, Drew Brees repented at Trump, uh, he, he went full one eighty. He's like, screw Drew Brees. <laughs> Um, so that, that about wraps up the whole situation pretty much without any opinions for the most part. Um, if I had to get my opinion on it, me personally, I'm against kneeling on, on two grounds. Uh, number one, I think that kneeling, I understand its purpose. I'm not saying that the people kneeling are, are trying to disrespect U.S. veterans. I totally get that they're not, and I totally accept that. I just think at the basis of standing and, and holding your heart over for the national anthem is out of respect for the veterans. I think the whole purpose of, of doing that is to respect veterans. And when you're not doing that, whether you, whether you're doing it for a good cause or not, it's, it's sort of a disrespect to them. Cause again, the whole purpose of, of standing up and saluting or handing your, holding your hand over your heart is to respect the, the people that fought for us in the past. Um, and not doing that is, is kind of not respecting them. And not, I wouldn't say it's absolute disrespect. Um, you know, I definitely think again that the, the cause they're fighting for is just and, I think it's it's noble and it's it's not really their whole point is absolutely not to go out and disrespect U.S. veterans. I definitely don't see it as that. And then secondary to that, I'm more of an opinion. This is like where I'm stronger, honestly, at this point, is that I think that politics and sports should be separate. And what I mean by that is that like during a game, you know, play play football. I think like sports is a is a great area in the U.S. where everyone's like agree, everyone can agree, everyone can come together and just enjoy a good game. Enjoy a good football game, a good, enjoy a good basketball game, and just kind of forget about all the controversial stuff. And just you know, it's fun. Uh, but at, that being said, I also think the the, the athletes absolutely sh- should, or not, I shouldn't say should, but they absolutely have the ability, and you know, honestly, should from a moral perspective uh, have, have political opinions, and I think they should share them. I just don't think it should be during the game per se. Let the game uh, speak for itself, and let people enjoy the game. And if, if you want to say in a press conference after, or post on your social media about your political opinions, absolutely fine. I think that's it's good. I think you're showing you're setting a good example for you caring about the rest of the country. Um, and, and with all that being said, uh, that sets my opinion on it. I think Drew Brees, honestly, he still believes that kneeling is wrong. Um, you know, from whatever basis he, he really wants to pinpoint it on. I just think he repented the statement based on a PR. He, he didn't want to look bad in front of everybody, yeah. so he kind of just repented it. I, you know, I think people, I absolutely think people can change, but the change over a day and a half, and and with with the fact that he changed in, a, in, a, in two days, with everyone screaming at him and everyone saying he was canceled, mm-hmm. I think that's more of what pushed him to change rather than him actually opening up to it. Um, I actually had saw this video about a week or two ago. I posted it on my Instagram story, and it was, it was this African American uh, gentleman, and the words he said kind of stuck with me. You can't guilt people into change. They have to. They have to really mean it. They have to know it from their hearts to change. Um, so I don't think that Drew Brees is really doing that from his heart. Not saying that he can't change from his heart, but I'm saying that, you know the fact that he did it in two days with the, uh, the pressure of society building on him. I don't really see Drew Brees changing like that all of a sudden. Um, you know, a lot of lot to unpack there. Um, that's about all I have to say about it in one go. Brian, you can share your opinions now. Um, so. The first thing that, like, this is not my opinion or anything. I'll get into that. But what's kind of confusing about the his, like, comments and everything, I feel like his apology wasn't really about him saying, like, kneeling's good, but more about saying, like, what he was... I feel like his apology was more trying to say that him focusing on the American flag representing, like, the military and everything, like, it wasn't the right time for him to do that. And I don't necessarily think it was about him saying that kneeling's good now uh but what is confusing there is that there's pictures of drew Brees kneeling during a game mm-hmm. which i don't really know the background of it that much like it could have just been like a i'm sure it was a one-time thing but that kind of made me think that maybe his apology might have actually meant something and might have been taken the wrong way and put out of context but that whole situation is really confusing. Seeing the picture of him kneeling and then saying these things during an interview was kind yeah, of... Yeah, just to, just to cut you off there, sorry. Um, I'm pretty sure those pictures that when he kneeled yeah. weren't taken during the national anthem. I think, oh, okay. if I remember correctly, I don't know if you remember, the NFL had pushed 
players could kneel before or after the national anthem, but not during. Oh, right. That was kind of part of the NFLPA agreement. Yeah. I think those pictures might have been taken during then. Not a hundred percent sure, but just to clarify that for like the viewers, okay. possibly you. That makes sense. I guess, but that you definitely, you do definitely do have a point either way. Whether it's through the national anthem, he was still kneeling in solidarity. Yeah. So, I think that if I, I wish I had it in front of me. I talked about it last week, but oh, for those that don't know, my last week it wasn't a podcast, but I had comments about Drew Brees and the whole Black Lives Matter uh, situation that Nick had talked about. But I feel like his apology was more about saying that him focusing on respecting the military and everything right now with everything going on wasn't the right move for him to make. I don't know if it was necessarily about him changing his opinions on everything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, so my opinions on the situation. Me and Nick have opposing opinions on this. In my opinion, I think kneeling is okay. I It's not like... I get what you're saying about putting your hand over your heart and uh, respecting the military and everything and respecting those that fought for us. But on the other hand, when I see it, it's not like he's like totally ignoring what's going on. He's still there. He's not like running around and like um, doing jumping jacks or stretching or something. He's kneeling. And I did see this point on, I guess it was social media, that, and I know a lot of people have different opinions on it, but the way that I look at it, they definitely do have a point. Him kneeling was kind of the first step and the first uh, situation where it was nonviolent and he was uh, demonstrating and somewhat protesting on a national level his beliefs in police brutality and inequality. And it wasn't really respected and was kind of looked down upon. And now it's gotten to the point where it's rioting, which I'm not for, but I think to put it, to say what he was doing was totally wrong and to, to say that him kneeling was disrespecting the military, which I know that's not what you were saying, but what, how people viewed it seems kind of out of line because he's kneeling in protest of America is supposed to be about any about equality and the flag supposed to represent America which is supposed to be about equality but the flag but the country has not shown equality to everyone and I think that's more what he's what kneeling means and not about disrespecting the military and stuff like that I don't know if I worded that right but no yeah I totally get your opinion and like I definitely uh, can agree to that Again, like, I think that's absolutely within his right to kneel. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not whether he can or can't in terms of, like, legality mm-hmm. or, like, he's horribly wrong for it. I just think is it, is it the most – see, if you want to change people's minds, as I said, don't guilt them into it. You know, don't don't go that route. If you want to change people's minds, you have to do it in a way that's not going to create more controversy, in my opinion. Like, you, if you can figure out a way to, to head the movement off without creating that, that op- opposing – opinion that he's wrong for kneeling i think you can go a lot farther with it and that's kind of been like my since day one since he started kneeling was kind of my opinion I, again i definitely think that people think like he's absolutely wrong he's a horrible person for kneeling is, is ridiculous he's yeah. doing a peaceful protest there's nothing wrong with that it's just whether i guess you know slightly the respect portion but it's also how effective is the kneeling in terms of bringing everyone together and fighting for the cause yeah i guess another way that i can say it is like Actually, that wouldn't really that make make much sense. But what I was going to say was everyone standing and putting their hand over their heart. This is like the way that I think about it, his first time he did it. I don't think he, he thought it was going to create. I don't think anyone thought it was going to create the controversy that it did. Mm-hmm. But him kneeling while everyone's standing was that uh, opposite. I don't uh, that uniqueness kind of like brought a lot of attention to it which I think was what he was going for. And that doesn't really make that much sense, but I think you know what I'm saying. And also, you had said, what did you say about, um, oh, I think it's gotten to the point where Black Lives Matter is such an important situation right now that it can't really be taken out of sports. And I think what you were more talking about was before all this happened, like it should be separated. But, like, right Mm -hmm. now, what we're going to get into soon about the Kyrie Irving situation, it's, like, can't be separated from sports anymore because everyone's so involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, 
I, I, when we talk about the Kyrie Irving situation, I think it's going to be like, um, like if he wants to sh- show that he's in support of Black Lives Matter, he can do it outside of of not sit, sitting out of the game. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, um, I just think that. Like, it's such a different time now that players aren't going to be able to separate that. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And obviously, they can't yeah. make a rule that they have to separate it. But mm-hmm. I just think it's too ingrained in everybody and the sports world that it's not just not going to happen that way. Yeah, and then going off of that and kind of going back to how Drew Brees had the societal pressure, mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember about – you know, whatever these athletes do in terms of political political movements and, and what they believe in, what they what they stand for, they're in a tough position no matter what. They have so many, you know, when you look at yeah. the people behind them, you look at all their fans, everybody who's in the media, you have their sponsors. There's so much at play when they make a, deci- a decision. You know, let's say Drew Reeves um, came out and, and he stuck with uh, the opinion that, that uh, kneeling is wrong for Drew for you know, for as far as we know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if he sticks with that decision, our sponsor is going to drop him. Yeah. Um, uh, are, are his teammates going to not hate him? Are the Saints cut him because it's too much drama in the locker room? Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many repercussions about everything they say. It's really not easy being an athlete. A lot of these athletes, I mean, get me wrong, there's some that are very educated, but a lot of them are not educated on political issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their opinions and they have their beliefs and what they've experienced. But to say that they have uh, uh, the superior knowledge on political issues is kind of ridiculous. They know football. They know basketball. Um, they have other interests. But I would say the majority of uh, athletes, their main interest is in politics or else they would have went into politics, yeah, right? Um, so they're put into really tough situations. And I don't think no matter what decision they choose to make, it, it's an easy one. I'm sure there's a lot of people that may feel that kneeling is wrong in the NFL. And they're not going to say anything at this point. And and you know maybe they should maybe they shouldn't i don't know but they're just in really tough situations um if if you don't go with the fact that 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 uh kneeling was the right move yeah um so i feel like no matter what you're in a tough situation as an athlete um so i, I mean that's all i about that's about all i have to say about the Thank Drew Brees situation do you have anything brian no yeah let us know what you guys think again like i'm um, i think it's so important in this country and you know it comes from sports to politics that like I think number one, you have to find a common ground. That's that's number one. Like if you're disagreeing with somebody, find common ground. You guys probably believe in the same things. Uh, you just have different opinions on how you think about it. Like I think me and Brian and pretty much everyone would agree, like you have the right to protest the peacefully protest and you have the right to to fight for equality. Like those are pretty common ground things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like that you nitpick differences and it, it, it creates separation in this country. But if you really look at it, you're both fighting for the same thing. Just just have a nice, peaceful conversation and, and talk to each other. And I think it really opens up for everybody uh, to come together and fight for the same thing. If you can just agree what you're fighting for, which I pretty much everyone can agree on and at this point in time. Um, with that being said, uh, kind of going along that still with the NFL here, the NFL accepted has now accepted Juneteenth as a uh, company holiday, as well as I believe Nike and some other companies have accepted it. Uh, it's being pushed as a national holiday as well, so like government employees can get off for it. Uh, so what Juneteenth is, is June 19th is the day that slavery was abolished in the U.S. Um, my personal opinion, but I think everyone should agree with this. This, is, this, this should be controversial for me. I think it should be a national holiday. A uh, really important day in American history uh, to have slavery end. It's, it's the first step America took towards true equality um, since its pretty much creation in, in the 1700s. Uh, you know, since, you know, from that point on, from 1776, you know, to look before 76 is tough because the U.S. wasn't an actual country before then. But post-1776, uh, the U.S. had slavery and, you know, there was so much inequality in this country. And since since that day, that you know, the U.S. has definitely progressed towards, towards uh, better equality, uh, you know, everyone being equal. And abolishing slavery was a huge step. A civil war was fought over it. Uh, thousands and millions of people, I believe it was millions, the death toll uh, for the Civil War were, were fought over abolishing slavery. Uh, it's super, super, super important in U.S. history, and I def- absolutely think it should be a national holiday. And I think it's a good thing that the NFL is accepting it and giving their, their workers a day off for the holiday. Um, Brian, would you agree to that? I'm assuming yes, yes. but <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so that covers it for the NFL. Um, I'm sure Brian's going to break down the NBA, what's been happening there, and we'll get again a little bit controversial again. Uh, as he said, pretty much the entire episode is going to be controversial. So, Brian, go ahead yeah. and uh, cover the NBA. So, 
the NBA, this was like kind of weird because it happened two weeks ago in a player's call, a player's phone call with the National Basketball Association to restart the league. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't this Friday, it was last Friday, so technically like a week and a couple days, but it came out, I guess this weekend, I think it was yesterday. So Adrian Wojnarowski reported it from ESPN, basically oh. saying, yeah. <laughs> Basically saying Kyrie Irving, who I didn't know this, but is one of the vice presidents of the NBA, uh, the Players Association for the NBA, mm-hmm. was very outspoken in a players-only phone call with I, the owners or Adam Silver, I don't know who it was with, saying that it's not right, that players should think about not playing the season to go along with Black Lives Matter and the racial injustice in this country, kind of another way of protesting. And him and Nick said Dwight Howard, which I didn't know about. Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard pretty much just went along with him and agreed with yeah. whatever Kyrie said. Yeah, I think there were. I'm sure there were a lot of other players that went along with what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really change anything because they did vote to play the season. But it is interesting. It's interesting on two notes. First off, I didn't know Kyrie Irving was so had such a big voice in the NBA. First off, to be a vice president of the Players Association, but also to stand up for injustice and things like that and sway other people's opinions. But secondly, which I don't remember what I was going to say, but me and Nick, I think, agree on this. We were talking about it. Uh, I don't know if that's really the best way to go about it. I think that actually playing the season, and I know me and Nick think differently about protesting in the games or stuff like that or kneeling in my opinion playing the, I think playing the season should happen and I think the protesting that could go on during the season could be more influential than not playing the season and I know Nick thinks that there shouldn't be any politicalness inside of it but Nick you can give your opinions about it. uh sure like again I'm just kind of of the opinion that like sports is one of the things that molds us together as as like citizens of the U.S. It's like one thing that we all can have fun and agree on. Right. So it's not like you know, it's not like you can't have politics in sports, but I just think it, it's like it's better off that way. I it's used nice to, to think have that it. way. Just to cut you off quick, but I used yes, to think sir. I used to think that way, but now it's gotten to the point where it's such a big deal, and I think having the sports world be cut off from it might just hurt the issue more. Yeah, like I, I totally see what you're saying. I, again, I'm just like, I, I just want to have something that we all can agree on. I think right. that these athletes have such huge platforms that it doesn't have to be in a game per mm-hmm. se that they have to share their opinions. Um, you know, with, with Kyrie Irving possibly sitting out and, and, and not wanting to play because of Black Lives Matter, I personally don't see how that helps. Um, number one, you know, I, I'm assuming he, he's going to say he's coming from the point the fact that if they start to play, that's going to start to dominate the news media instead of mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter and it's going to take away from the movement. Right. Which I think is a valid uh, point. But at the same time, they're not going to start playing until late June, uh, July rather. So they have some time to have you know to make progress with the movement. Um, we'll have to, you know, I think it's we're going to see what what happens right. come late July, whatever with everything going on right now. Um, it's going to be important to keep watching it and seeing what's happening. Um, but I also think if they do go back to playing, you know, sort of align, sort of along what Brian said, I think that. If he plays and he gets these, you know, if he doesn't play, he's not going to get his game checks and he's going to make a lot less money. If, if you're really passionate about Black Lives Matter, what you could do is if you play, um, you could protest it mid-game. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, use some of your game check to support black charities and black foundations to help to help protesters and to help the movement along. Right. Um, I think that, you know, that's, that's definitely a valid way of going about it, too. Um, you know, secondarily to that, I think that having the NBA keeps – keeps the kind of the world moving honestly um you know again it brings having sports brings us together um it keeps kids who potentially uh who got bored because i can't watch the nba going out to the streets and doing something stupid um it keeps people entertained and not go- going out and doing stuff stupid um you know I, I those are a couple of my opinions about it so i just think you'd be better off playing and then using uh, along with brian said um using while he's playing i think he can add to his movement rather than subtract from it mm-hmm and also, I guess this goes to your point about keeping political stuff out of sports. For this movement, it's such a big movement, and also it's like a month away from the NBA actually starting. 
not having basketball be a part of it, I don't know how much it's actually going to slow down the movement because it's so strong. So his point about not playing going to take away from it, it might take away from it like a minuscule amount, but I still think it's going to be a huge topic, and I don't know how much it's actually going to Especially on the NBA, too, because with the NBA, I've said this in the past, the NBA is so so much more player-oriented rather than team-oriented, where the NFL is more about your team, it's about a team. So one player kneeling can get washed in the background of an of a NFL game. But I think with the NBA, if you have somebody like Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant kneeling or doing whatever they may do, I think that it's going to speak out. It's, it's going to hit the news media a lot harder. It's not something you can just watch to the back of, of the news cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be big. Right. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about Irving. Mm-hmm. You have anything It's about else? the same. Yeah, okay. So you want to go into NASCAR? Uh, sure. So, um, you know, no, no college stuff today, nothing really on that ground. So obviously college sports have been out for a while. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we don't have college stuff, I like to throw in some sports news that we don't typically cover here and there. Um, and this one obviously is going to be again with the Black Lives Matter related. Um, so it has to do with NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR came out and they said uh, they have officially banned the Confederate flag from being flown or shown at their games or, or their races, per se. Um uh, pretty interesting. NASCAR, pretty min- predominantly a Southern uh, watch sport. Yeah. People in the South typically watch it, and thus the Confederate flag is typically flown in the South. Um, you know, the Confederate flag to go back to its history. You know, I think that nowadays uh, people in the South use the Confederate flag as, as Southern pride. They don't mean anything by it for the most part. Uh, they're just showing their pride for living in the South and that having pride in their in their region and you know where they live. Um, but to deny the, the history of the Confederate flag. Uh, it's kind of impossible, in my opinion. Uh, me and Brian talked about this earlier, but uh, you know, the, the Confederate flag stood for the, the South during the Civil War, and, and what was the Civil War falling over? Predominantly slavery. You know, the South wanted to keep slavery, and to say the Confederate flag ha- has never represented uh, the fact that slavery existed and it, it didn't stand for slavery is, it, in my opinion, it's just it, it's it's impossible to say. Um, and and the, I think the Confederate flag is absolutely controversial. Again, I don't, I don't think it's completely awful because I think it does have positive uh, connotations with it with, in today's world. But to deny its history is impossible. So I think the fact that it, is, it can be controversial um, and the NASCAR being a private company, I think, they number one, they absolutely have the right to ban it. But I also do think it is an important thing to ban it. Um, if it makes uh, you know African-American uh, viewers of NASCAR uncomfortable, um, I think it's absolutely right to go ahead and ban it and make those people feel comfortable. Um, you know, with that being said, I definitely think the American flag is something they shouldn't ban, um, mm-hmm. because it, it stands for today's America, um, whether you think it's perfect or not. But I think the Confederate flag and its history absolutely holds weight and then banning it. And I think it, it's valid for, for, for them banning it. And I think Brian agrees. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like people getting upset because they can't show the Confederate flag at a NASCAR race. That's like, okay, you can you show your Confederate flag at home. You don't need to bring it to a race. Like, I, I still don't understand the people can show, showing the Confederate flag. I know it, rep, it, like, it represents Southern pride and culture and whatever, but I don't know if that's the South that people want to remember, if that makes sense. I 100%. And I, I just – I spoke from that point because me and Brian are obviously from up north. Mm-hmm. And we, we've hardly – I've been hardly – I've been to the South maybe to five, a handful of times – I've been to I've been to almost every southern state. I've been to Louisiana, Georgia, um, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I've been to all those states. You know, great people down there. Uh, some some great stuff down there. Uh, but you know, I obviously I'm not I'm not enough in that culture. Um, I really I, guess that's true. I can't I can't really speak for for the southerners trying to fly the flag and, and what saying what they mean, what they want to say about the flag, what it means to them. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, pure, purely at a, at a fact standpoint. Uh, the Confederate flag st- stood for the South in the Civil War, and then the South stood for slavery. So, uh, to, to deny those things is impossible. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's all I have to say. Uh, just about the same. Okay, so we're gonna get into baseball now, which isn't really controversial, um, or just not as controversial as what we've been talking about. So, there's a lot of baseball news. Um, let me just get right into it. So, the first thing I want to talk about, I'm gonna save the draft till my last topic because there's a lot to cover there. So the first thing that I want to talk about, uh, Alex Cora really spoke out for the first time since he was suspended and fired and whatever. And he basically wanted to clarify that what went on wasn't mainly a two-man job between him and Carlos Beltran. And I think 
the report that came out from the sign stealing scandal did say that, but because Carlos Beltran and Oxcore were the big the people that had the most influence on the sign stealing, that's what's been taken by the media, by just everyone around the situation. He did say, which I'm happy he did say, he said he takes full responsibility for what happened and that his suspension is definitely worthy and necessary, which is weird for a person that got suspended to say, but I'm happy he did say that. He wasn't trying to say, you know what, this isn't fair. I should be able to be in baseball, things like that. And really his main statement was that everyone was doing it and it wasn't just him and Carlos Beltran, which is interesting. And I think a lot of people would imagine that most of the Astros were involved because they had to know about it in some stance. The next thing I want to talk about, uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Union still have not come to an agreement. It's getting to the point like where people are starting to worry if there's actually going to be a 2020 season because they're just so far apart. Really, the whole divide comes from this agreement that they made, I think, in late March about prorated salaries, where the players agreed with baseball that they would get prorated salaries for the amount of games they played in the season. Um, and at that point, no one really knew what the coronavirus was going to, how it was going to impact uh, the amount of games baseball was going to play or if fans were going to be there. So baseball was agreeing to it, which was probably a mistake. But in the writing, there's a part where they talk about economic, economic feasibility of the situation which kind of the wording allowed Rob Manfred to make changes if necessary, but the players union doesn't take it that didn't take it that way. And so now they're just in a whole conundrum because the players union wants their full prorate salaries, but baseball really can't pay them that amount because simply there's not going to be fans watching the games and that takes a huge profit away from baseball. So on Monday, on Monday, they did a new, the baseball did a new proposal to, the players union say it's talking about a 76 game season where players would get 75% of their prorated salaries and the smaller parts of it it would include eliminating draft po- draft pick compensation for free agents for a year and a 200 million dollar postseason pool for the players and a postseason that ends no later than October 31st the last three things don't really matter to the whole discussion and it's really about the 75% of their prorated salaries obviously the 76 game season is less than people would want but the whole reason they have to take away some games is because they simply don't have the amount of money they to pay the players for more games and it all goes back to the prorated salaries that baseball simply can't pay and I've given my opinion on a number of occasions I guess but I think that baseball players have to be willing to say you know what fine we don't need the prorated salaries we still want to play baseball because they're the people that are going to play. And if they can't agree to take a little less money, there's not going to be a baseball season and they're not going to get paid. And I think everyone wants to get paid, especially during the times right now. That's really the whole situation. I don't think the Players Union has really responded to that. I don't know what their response is, but I'm sure it's not going to be good because they want their pro rate salaries. Do you have anything about that, Nick? Any comments? Uh, yeah, so I think ultimately, I think both uh, the Alex Cora situation as well as the the return to play situation, mm-hmm. I think it's both partially the fault of the commissioner of the MLB, and I, I keep forgetting his name. Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not as into baseball as mm-hmm. Brian is. I still follow it. Um, but I, I know Rob Manfred, originally when the Astros started to open up about the science, science skilling stand scandal, uh, Manfred offered the players immunity in order to speak the truth about it. Right. And I think that's why uh, score situation is kind of tough because nobody else from the Astros really got consequences. It's mainly a, a fault of Manfred for offering the players immunity. Mm. Um, not saying it was an easy situation because he definitely needed to get the truth out of the players um, to, so that we get so the world could get the, the full scoop of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, was offering them immunity the right move? Should, maybe you should have leveraged. If you don't tell me the truth, we find out you're lying, you're banned from the league, something like that. Um, you know, maybe leverage a punishment. I, I don't know what the right situation was there. So that's step one. And then step two, I think that Manfred kind of dropped the ball in terms of return to play. Um, you know, I think Roger Goodell and Adam Silver and in the MLB and uh, the NBA rather and um, and the NFL, they kind of said, this is what we're doing. Do you guys agree with it? And the NFL and, and the players associations kind of all came together and said, yep, 
Mm-hmm. They're all on the same page. This is what we're going to do. And the MLB has absolutely not had the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, you know, where the, the NFL and the NBA have said, yes, we want to return to play about this date, about this time, about this pay. Uh, the MLB has flip flops back and forth on every decision. So I think it's, I think the, I think it's time for the MLB to get a stronger commissioner. That might be one of the solutions mm-hmm. to this problem um, beyond the coronavirus. So that's just my personal opinion on that. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, it's just, I don't know when they're going to come to agreement because they are so mm-hmm. far off on everything. Uh, let me get into the draft though. So I'm going to go through picks one through five and then say the winner of the draft and the loser of the draft, in my opinion. So, Pick number one was made by the Detroit Tigers in Spencer Torkelson, who was a first baseman out of Arizona State. So he's a first baseman, but they announced him as a third baseman, so they'll probably use him in both situations. I don't know. Obviously, there's a long time between him getting to the from the minors to the majors, so they're probably going to try and make him a third baseman. He's had comparisons to Pete Alonso, and if you know Pete Alonso, that means he's very powerful, and that's what Spencer Torkelson is. He's more of a power bat. Uh, his defense is there, but really for him, it's about offense. And the Detroit Tigers decided to take him number one. The next number two, pick number two, was made by Baltimore Orioles in Heston Ketrastad. I don't know if that's right, but he's a right fielder out of Arkansas. He's a corner outfielder with a lot of power. Um, this It was more of a best fit for the Orioles because they also had a number 30 pick. This is where it gets a little confusing, and it's all about slot values, which I'm going to explain. So they had a number, the number two pick and the number 30 pick. For the number two pick, let's say the slot value for a number two overall pick is $2 million, which I don't know if that's actually the case. So $2 million is what that player is going to expect to get paid because he was the number two overall. And some players want more, some players want less, and some player no, no one wants less. Some people want more some people are fine with that however the fact that they had two first round picks means they need to be able to save enough money to pay both of those players because in baseball it's not a definite if you're going to be able to keep and hold on to your pick so they decided to go a little less on slot value for their number two overall pick so they could give some more money to their number 30 pick and go a little higher than slot value so let me get back to that let's say number two is worth $2 million, they'll decide to pick someone that's maybe worth $1.8 million and who might be a little lower down on power rankings and things like that. So they could pick someone at number 30 that's a little ahead of slot value. So they ended up picking Heston Kirchestad, who has a lot of power, might not be considered the number two overall pick, but has a lot of potential there. He he looks like he's going to be like a solid DH for the Orioles, his defense isn't that great, which is why he's a corner outfielder, and it's more just about power for him. The other, the other major concern with him is that his strikeouts have been very high, and they hope to work that out in the Marley system. The next pick was number three with the Marlins in Max Meyer, who's a right-handed pitcher from Minnesota. He was the first pitcher selected in the draft, obviously. Um, he his, he's, a, he's a quick pitcher. Not a quick pitcher. He throws hard, and that's really all you need to know about him. The one big issue with him, the Marlins wanted to be a starter, but he really started with Minnesota as a bullpen arm. So they're hoping during the minor leagues they can work his durability up and make him a starter. But either way, he'll be a starter or he'll be a really good arm out of the bullpen for them. And that's why they picked him number three. Next up is number four overall pick, which was made by the Royals, and that's Asa Lacey. Some interesting names. Uh, He's a left-handed pitcher out of Texas A&M. A lot of people had him above Max Meyer, um, but either way, the difference between a three and four pick isn't that crazy in the MLB draft. So Asalesi is another hard-throwing pitcher. Um, he has really good stuff all around. He has the best stuff in the, league, in the draft, which a lot of people are saying. However, his biggest problem is control, um, and that's often an issue with people that throw a lot of different pitches, which he does. But they hope to fix that in the minors, and... Either way, when you have a lot of good stuff, it usually plays. So that's why they picked him. And then number five was made by the Toronto Blue Jays and Austin Martin, who's a third baseman out of Vanderbilt. Uh, He can play all over the infield, which is important for him being on the Blue Jays because, as a lot of people know, the Blue Jays have a lot of young talent in their infield from Bichette to uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So him having versatility to be play over all 
play all around the diamond, which they hope to have him up in two years or three years, can play along with those other young players and make a solid infield and a solid young core for them. Um, I did want to mention, which I forgot to mention, the MLB draft was condensed from 40 to five rounds. Uh, so obviously 35 picks for a lot of teams were taken away, which I forgot to mention in the beginning. But those are picks one through five. I'm going to go to the winners and losers of the draft. So in my opinion, this is going to seem biased, but I think the Mets had one of the best overall um, draft hauls by any team. It was either between the Mets and the Cardinals, but when it's between the Mets and the Cardinals, I'm going to side with the Mets. So that might be where it's a little biased, but I really think they had uh, strong prospects they got. Uh, so they had five picks. It was really about their top three picks because they wanted, like I talked about with slot value, to be able to pay these players a little bit more than expected. So the first pick uh, was Pete Crow Armstrong, who was their 19th, was the 19th overall pick. He's an uh, outfielder from a high school. I don't know the name of the high school, but he's coming out of high school, so obviously a very young player. I think he's 18. He was really a perfect fit for the Mets. Uh, they needed a center field prospect. They have like no center field prospects that I can think of. And at 19, a lot of people considered that a steal for the Mets. He's great offensively, but his defense is even, is way better. Not way better, but is even better. Offense was nothing to really uh, uh, belittle either. He's really good all around, but his defense is crazy good, according to scouts. Um, so he looks to be... He's definitely their top center field prospect and probably top 10 prospect in their farm system right now. Uh, JT... Of course, if they sign him. JT Ginn, um, who they drafted in the second round, is a hard-throwing right-hander that was originally drafted by the Dodgers two years ago in the first round. And he went to college to prove that he was worth more than where the Dodgers ended up picking him. However, he ended up having Tommy John surgery this March. So his draft stock was uh, pushed way down. I think if he didn't have Tommy John surgery, it would have been a top 15 pick. But people are worried what the Tommy John surgery will do to him. So he ended up dropping to the second round. I think that's a steal. Um, we've seen that Tommy John surgery in a lot of cases can, if you rehab the right way, can make you an even better pitcher than before. And we've seen with the Mets, they've been able to do that with Jacob DeGrom, Matt Harvey, till he got injured again. Um, Steven, I think Steven Matz had Tommy, or Zach Wheeler, I mean. Um, but the problem with TJ Ginn, along with the Tommy John surgery, JT Ginn, I'm sorry along with the Tommy John surgery, is that he has already he already declined with the Dodgers two years ago because he didn't think he was getting the money he deserved. So a lot of people are concerned that he might not be able to sign with the Mets. But in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, him coming off of Tommy John surgery, I don't think he'd want to risk going to college and being very bad and then just not being drafted. So for him, the risk-reward, it just makes sense for him to go to the Mets and the Mets being able to sign him. Uh, but he was a he was the main player in why their two later round picks were lower than slot value because they want to have enough money to be able to pay him and keep him around. For Mets fans out there, that probably reminds you of the Matt Beatty situation that happened last year. He was a player that was expected to want more money than where his slot was, and a lot of people didn't want to sign him, didn't want to pick him because they were worried that he wouldn't sign with the team. But the Mets had done their research, had saved enough money to be able to sign him, and now he's, I think, top five prospect in the Mets system. The last person I want to talk about for the Mets is Isaiah Green, who's another center fielder. Um, he was The reason they picked him, he was, in their minds, a really good steal for them. Really good offense, really good defense, very similar to Armstrong in that sense, just a notch down being that he was taken in the third round, I'm pretty sure but has a lot of skills that can be molded in the minors to make him a really good player. And that just shores up even more their center field situation. And of course, a good center fielder can always be put into a right, the right field or left field. It's harder for corner outfielders to come, become center fielders because the center fielders are usually the best defense in the outfield. Uh, that really sums it up for the Mets, who I think had the best uh, overall draft haul. I guess you could view that as bias, but just don't. The uh, worst, in my opinion, was the Red Sox. And that really goes to the point that the Red Sox lost out on their second-round pick because of the sign-stealing scandal back in 2018. Um, 
And obviously, having a draft that's already condensed to five rounds instead of 40 rounds, you already have less players to choose from to become really good. And now they only had four players out of five, which obviously is not what they want. So their first round pick was Nick York, who was selected 17th overall. He was a second, he's a second baseman. Um, a lot of people didn't even have him on the top 100 power rankings or rankings of the prospects in the 2020 draft. And a lot of people were su- surprised that the Red Sox would go for him in the first round. But the reason they had to go for him in the first round is they liked him so much and they didn't want to lose him, but they didn't think he would be around when they got to their next pick, which was going to be in the third round. So their first round pick was dependent on the fact that they didn't have a second round pick. And that really hurt their first round pick because Nick York could have definitely been picked in the second round and they had to waste their first round pick on him. He's definitely a solid player. Um, He's more of an offensive talent than an actual uh, fielder. I think they hope to be able to mold him into a fielder in the minors because they do need a second baseman. um, And that's why they picked him. Then you jump 30, 72 slots till their next pick in the third round. And this is where I think they got their best player in Blaze Jordan, who's probably going to be a gr- really good DH for them. He's mainly a power hitter, offensive juggernaut. Uh, he's known for some highlight. I didn't watch them, but he's known for some highlight videos on YouTube. Like he, I think he won his high school home run derby. He's really powerful, and that's really why they drafted him. For his graduating class, I think he's ranked top 10 or even the number one prospect, but he was pushed down because he was put in this in this draft class. So I think they got a really good steal uh, in the third round. But that's really their only solid pick in my mind for where they ended up getting him, and that's why I think the Red Sox had, their, had the worst draft out of all the teams. And that really sums up the draft. I don't, Nick, do you have any comments? Yeah, not really. Okay. I'm not familiar with the draft prospects. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that sums it up for baseball. Um, are we going to talk about the coronavirus? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll end it off a little bit about the coronavirus. Um, in terms of the coronavirus, not much new. Uh, cases are pretty much dwindling down. There was a small peak or uptake in cases and hospitalizations um, about over this week, and people are predicting possibly a second wave. Um, I definitely think it's possible, but at the same time, I want to also say the fact that it is expected. Um, number one, with opening up, um, you know, people are interacting a little bit more. You know, they're going to see a little bit of uptake in cases. But at the same time, hospitals are now more prepped uh, to to you know treat patients. There's more hospital beds available, um, so that, that's important. Um, secondly, to that. Um, I, I do think a little bit the protesters and, and, and riders have a little bit of effect because I know it's been in the news like, oh, that, that's the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's definitely possible because, again, you got to imagine this. There's thousands upon thousands of people in its closed area. Well, not closed area, but tight spaces right next to each other. Um, that could definitely play a part of it. You know, to say that it's one or the other is absolutely impossible. And, and you know, if people want to pinpoint it on protesters, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's definitely the opening up of society as well definitely absolutely plays a part uh, a lot of factors going into that uh no matter what the in- increase in cases uh nothing to be too worried about uh it seems as if looking at the data that it's going to peak down uh, slim down again and it seems as if the, the disease is kind of dying off into the summer um I- i'm not sure with the death rate in new york again new york had it pretty much the worst um over the past o- over the entire uh thing uh the entire pandemic um, I believe we're into like the 30 to 40 deaths per day, something, some 30 to 60 deaths per day, somewhere in that range, um, where at the worst, we had nearly 800 deaths in one day due to the coronavirus, um, at least medically speaking. Uh, so obviously not as bad now. Um, treatments, uh, one, I believe one, I forgot the name of the company, is, is in the last stage or in human testing of a vaccine. It's seeming more, you know, with a lot of tons of companies are in that stage two with are to go into stage three to start humans. Um, you know, big things in terms of vaccine vaccines, it seems as if uh, that September, October, November range for a vaccine is definitely possible. Uh, you know, the treatments are definitely seeming to improve. Uh, there's less and less people getting sick, less people getting hospitalized. Uh, it's a good thing. And it's, it's nice to see that there is a change happening on the coronavirus grounds. Um, other than that, not much news. You know, good news pretty much across the board. Less people dying, less people getting hospitalized. So good stuff uh, on the coronavirus front. Uh, with that being said, I believe the podcast is coming to an end. 
Um, so I guess I'll say my final words. Um, you know, I haven't been doing pretty much anything in the past two weeks. I've uh, just been kind of watching the news and seeing everything that's happening, um, trying to take it all in. I haven't really done any jobs yet. Did start to apply to become an EMT in our hometown. Went and got uh, some tests done at the doctor's office. Not much going on there. Got tested for the corona- coronavirus antibodies, so we'll see if I had it at some point. Um, I think I will hear for that by tomorrow. Uh, whether I have the antibodies or not. I'm going to assume no, that I haven't had it, but it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see if I had it or not. Um, other than that, I really don't have much to say. If you have any um, comments, questions, concerns, feel free to contact me at my new Instagram. I have a new Instagram now. Um, it is nick.horvath61. Um, I have still have my Twitter, nickhorvath61, and then at my email, probably the best place to contact me at this point, but uh, my email is at nicholas.yahoo.com. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I know things were a little bit controversial today, and I don't want you guys to be perturbed and, or offended in any way. We're just giving our opinions. Everyone's opinions are valid. Uh, me and Brian are just trying to take it all in. Um, I could say pretty much, you know, back in high school, politics is probably my number one interest, but it's definitely fallen quite low on the list. Um, so to say that I'm, I'm more like politically bound now is kind of uh, not really me. I'm just, I like sports. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going the medicine route. I like sports. I like to dabble in politics every now and then, but. Uh, you know, I, I just, we all have opinions and I hope we can all respect each other's opinions. And I hope you guys, uh, I, I know we had somebody comment on one of our Instagram posts that you wanted to hear our opinions on, on the, on the movement. So, uh, you know, they kind of prompted us to go ahead and talk a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping you guys enjoyed to hear our opinions and, and kind of take them into uh, context and, and see maybe where we're coming from. Um, so I'm hoping you guys enjoyed the podcast it's a little bit different today. Uh, I'm signing out, handing over to Brian. Thank you for listening. Right. Um, and once again, the our opinions aren't what everyone in the sport universe thinks, which is really important to say because we don't represent everyone. Uh, other than that, how's my life going? Not much anything different than working on the sport universe. Um, hmm. I don't know what's happening with my summer job. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Um... But other than that, let us know what you thought of this. If you have any comments, you can DM us. Um, check out check out last week's whatever you want to call it. Um, I feel like I got my opinions out better there. So you can listen to that. I think it was like 10 minutes, so pretty short. Um, check out our videos on YouTube. Check out our videos on Instagram. If you're a Mets fan, follow the Met Universe on Instagram. Uh, that's really it. If you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, any way you think we can help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.